farmers do everything on their farm. Their work and their personal lives are like completely intertwined. And that's how it is like being indie and working from home. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Hey everybody, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jess. And we are two internet friends exploring the intersection of independent business and rails. Hey Jeremy, how's it going? Going well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So another episode of Indie Rails. What yeah. do you want to talk about today? Well, it's fun to have another episode where it's just the two of us. Okay, so I've been working on this conference talk called Making It as an Indie Developer. And I've been thinking about all the things I wish I'd known 10 years ago when I was first getting into freelancing and working on my own. And one of the things that kept coming up and that I've been thinking a lot about has been how to manage yourself. Coming from like an employment situation before we got a manager or had a manager or a boss and kind of making that transition to working on your own, you're suddenly having to manage yourself because clients and customers don't do that for you. And I think there are a lot of parts of that. And I think I made a, a lot of mistakes around that aspect of the business. So I was curious to hear what you thought about that as well and just kind of have a discussion about how have you come to manage yourself? What works for you? What doesn't? What do you need to watch out for? And hopefully helping other people that are either getting into this or maybe struggling with how to manage themselves, both in terms of their workload, but also mental and emotional wellness and energy level and improvement, efficiency, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask when you said manage yourself, there's the work side of things, right? Where you're managing projects and tasks, but then there's also the managing your emotional health and yeah. being your own boss, being an employee to yourself and just managing a business as well. So I guess there's a lot of different facets of that. Yeah, there are, to there are so many pieces of this. So maybe it's hard to cover all of it, but I'm particularly interested in not so much the things that you do when you're in a job, which would be like managing maybe the current task you're on and maybe even doing some project management. At least for me, I was doing quite a bit of my own project management when I was still employed. So I kind of transferred into contracting and freelancing with some of those skills already. But there are parts of it that I wasn't covering. Probably the things that are like more related to managing the relationship with a customer or a client, things like discovery and setting expectations and helping to set the modes of communication with a client so that they know what to expect from you. They often don't come into a situation with an expectation about how you're going to be working together, what you'll do in terms of communication and where in a job setting, you usually come in and it's very clear, here's your manager. You're going to have one-on-ones once a month and you got to show up for this call and do this Daily and that. Daily stand-ups, stuff like that. Right. So there's less, I guess, less structure there. So there's that piece. And then there's also the emotions and the self-management and energy level and attention that comes from having to kind of take care of yourself since there's not somebody else there for it. Where should we start on that? You want to start at, I guess, like managing the client? Like if you get a new client and how do you structure that communication and manage it, manage those expectations? So I think maybe for me, one of the things that I didn't do well when I started was I assumed that I could treat clients as if they were like my manager that I would just continue to receive requests from them and that they would sort of set the expectations for the relationship and I would just depend on them for guiding all of my activities. That's not how, how it works? Yeah, it may in some cases, but I think what I experienced was more that when people are hiring you externally, they're depending on you to tell them how a project should work or to communicate your expertise back to them and set the stage for how work gets done. And it's not always like that. Just in general, by nature, when someone's hiring a consultant, they're too busy to do it themselves, right? Or they don't have the skills. So mm -hmm. they certainly have goals that they want to get done, but they also sort of need you to guide that process, right? Yeah. Or else they're going to get distracted solving their own problems. And that's not going to be good for anyone because then the product's just sitting still. Yeah. So they're going to be coming to you more often with outcomes that they want, but not like a clear path to get to that outcome because they're paying you to bring that to them. So what have you done to make that work? I guess it probably depends on the client or the project, but 
certainly a weekly or at least like a monthly connection would help to talk about goals, what you've been working on and what needs to be done. A retro and a grooming session all in one. Sometimes that's more often like a weekly. For most of my projects, I'm at least having weekly conversations with my clients. Not always set in stone, but we're touching base at least once a week and and talking about stuff. What about you? I agree with you. It really depends on the client. I haven't come up with the exact categories, but there are some clients who are very hands-on, want to be in the details of what you're doing. And sometimes it's because they love it. They care about it themselves. Sometimes it's because they don't know if they can trust you yet. I've definitely come into projects where it appeared that the client had previous experience with freelancers or contractors that weren't successes. And so I think there's sometimes a period where I'm building trust with them. And so they want to be close to the details to understand all of it. And then there, I find that there are other clients that are more hands-off and give trust very easily right at the get-go and just sort of set the overall projects to be done and only step in when there's points of showing work, showing a deliverable, or when there's an issue that I can raise, but not necessarily like really close contact about the day-to-day work being done. Yeah, that's a good point. It just reminded me that some of my clients, because we act more of like an internal team or a fractional role, fractional CTO, it might be that we don't talk that often with the actual client, the founder or the, the CEO or the owner of the company. We might be talking more directly with customers or other contractors, other people in the organization. So it just really depends. For me, I think one of the biggest pieces of that that I didn't have to do in the same way with a boss is building trust with the client. And usually for me, the most energy around that has, is at the beginning of a project. Probably the first three to six months of a project is where I'm getting in, I'm learning a bunch. I'm building trust and communication with a client and kind of adjusting my approach to their communication style, their expectations, the sort of particularities of how they like work to be delivered, the quality level they expect for a code base and for how an app is run. And so there are a lot of things that I'm coming in and just making lots of notes and sort of making adjustments and tweaking things in the first few months to try to match what it is that they say they need. Also, what I think they need that they might not be saying to a degree, then using that feedback loop of our conversations and how the first few projects go to make those adjustments. And with the hope of getting to a place where they're giving me a high level of trust to get work done so that they're not scared when I have and drop some new PR that needs review. They're like, hold on, what's all this? So they're not thinking that. They're entrusting me with the work. And for me, it comes from doing a lot of communication, especially at the beginning, talking through like, how this app works, where are we with all these projects. But then also as I'm delivering work, particularly for clients that want to be close to the code base, like showing how and why I'm producing code the way I am. I was just thinking as a business strategy, this is really low hanging fruit if you're a contractor because the service industry is notorious for being behind dodging phone calls, not staying on top of things. Like usually the client is having to run down these people. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a car repair or general contractor for your house. They're always behind is you're having to call and get updates. But if you can be the opposite of that and be on point with being upfront with things, being on time with your deliverables, keeping that communication open where you're going to them instead of them having to come to you. That's some low-hanging fruit to just be yeah. a good contractor, a secret weapon, as Robbie would say, for your customer. I don't want to drag other freelancers and stuff, but the bar is kind of low from my experience like in terms of yep. what clients have experienced in the past. So if you can do a bit better and do what you say you're going to do. And there's another piece of that, which is like there are times where I screw up or I know that something's not going to go well. And so talking about it earlier is always better. And it used to be even like when I was an employee, you think you're going to dig yourself out of a hole. And so you wait and wait and wait, like, no, I can get there. And I'm not going to talk to him about it yet. And that actually is, it's not good as an employee, but it's even worse, I think, 
when you're consulting with companies, you need to be getting ahead of potential issues, whether it's like you're stuck on a technical issue or the scope of a project is ballooning and you don't know how to get it under control or you just know like, hey, I need some downtime. It's coming and I need to let them know ahead of time that we need to adjust schedule or something like that. I think it's like maybe one of the things is it's like taking initiative beyond what you would be expected to do as an employee. My experience was your boss comes down the hall, checks in on you. How's this doing? Where are we with this project? Are you doing okay? All that kind of stuff. And they're kind of walking through those things themselves. But suddenly you go work for yourself and the client's not doing that. They're not coming down the hall to check in on you and say like, where are we on this? At least my experience has been. Unless if they're asking, where are we on this? It's because I... It's probably too late. been communicating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're certainly not asking like, how are you doing? Everything okay? That's not happening, which is valuable. Having someone to do that for you. So that's sort of managing the client. Let's just take it down, I guess, the pipeline. Once you have a client, you're managing communications. How do you manage workload? And we don't have to get into too detailed here, but when you're contracting, it's always feast or famine. Usually you have too much work and now you have to figure out, okay, how do I satisfy all these results? How do you split up your days, your time? How do you make sure that you're delivering what you need to your clients? So I've been doing fractional retainer contracts for a number of years, and I usually have a pretty clear number of hours that I'm committed to a client per week. And so I know not to overbook myself on that. I've personally found, I know you're different than me, but I've personally found that I can bill up to about 30 hours a week and sort of that's a sustainable level for me. If I'm into the 40 plus range, then I'm working nights and weekends and I'm stressing out. And there's like a short time period where I could sustain that maybe a month or two. And then I'm burning out because like 40 hours build turns into 50, 55 hours at the job. That's my experience, at least. I charge hourly. I like hourly billing, but there are a lot of other things outside of the build work I'm doing for client that is part of my work that I'm not billing. So in an eight-hour day, I'm usually getting six hours billed. So that's that part of it. I know not to book more work than that. And I've also found that it's better for me to underbook slightly because usually when I make agreements with clients and I get up to a certain level, it's rarely that we go under. It's sometimes that we go over. Like they may need a little bit more than where we are right now rather than a little bit less. That's a great point because most of us that are going to be branching out on our own are probably people that are overachievers and you like to say yes a lot. And so it's very tempting to say yes to too much. I also remember in the small bets course, how he was saying that you should always leave room for some, I forget what he calls it, but it's basically like time to reflect, look at other projects. If you see something that you want to take advantage of, like if you want to build a little side project or something, you need to have some bandwidth to do that. So if you just say yes to everything and you're working 50, 60 hours a week, there's just no time to cram. If you see an opportunity, you just, you have to bypass on it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Plus, like you said, it's just better to have a little cushion because things are going to creep and you're going to build up. So that's an excellent point with regards to managing yourself to give yourself some cushion. The other part of that is for me, I know a lot of people hate time tracking. I've come to love it. I hated it when I first started, but I needed some way of keeping track of my hours. Now I love it because it helps me know that I'm on target for my current week, that I'm like, making and keeping the commitments to my clients for what they need out of me in terms of time. GitHub's telling me where I am with projects or Notion or whatever it is that's telling me like where I am with the project work that we're doing. But in terms of my time and energy, I can see with time tracking really easily. I'm watching Harvest all the time, that's a time tracking tool I use to see where I'm at for the current day, where I'm at for the week. I'm going back to check over the months even more than that. So, And even beyond my build work, I'm using it for other kinds of projects like, oh, I'm working on this conference talk. How long does that take? Okay, it's 50 hours for me to write a conference talk. I get a better sense over time of how long things take. 
whether it's build work for clients or anything else that I'm doing, and what I have sustainable capacity for. It's almost like your budget is really just what you spend until you're hurting, right? And so like with time management, the way I'm managing my time is like, it is what it is. So I can look back at what it is and say, things were going well for me this week. I wasn't stressed out. Here's how much I worked. Okay. That's interesting. Over time, I can come to realize, okay, Jeremy's doing well if he's billing around 30 hours. He's not doing well if he's billing 45 plus. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) oh, this was a stressful period of time. And here's why my time tracking app is telling me that. I don't know. What about you? Do you use anything like that? Or what tools do you use to manage all that? I like the time track as well. A lot of my clients are just sort of fixed budget. So I don't have to track time, but I like to track time to make sure that I'm sort of allocating my time fairly between clients. I even track time for non-billable work. Like you said, this podcast, research or exploring, I want to know how much time I'm spending doing that so that I can make sure that it's being used wisely. And I would think that even if you were a CEO, obviously you don't get paid by how many hours you work, but it would be beneficial to track your time so you can see how much time am I spending meeting with customers and doing business development? How much time am I spending managing employees? How much time am I spending marketing? So you can see where your time is best spent. I really find it valuable to go back and look at my time logs and reports to see where I'm spending that time. That's always valuable because I think I know ahead of time where I put everything, but then it's when I look back where I realize what it actually was. And so sometimes can make adjustments to my mental model of how I work and how projects get done by looking back at how it actually happened. And I typically, at the beginning of the week, I have a little Excel sheet where I have a list of all my clients and then about the goal for how many hours I want to do that week for each client. And then I'll sort of take each day and say, okay, I'm going to do this many hours for this client, this many hours for this client, and just plan that week out. And then I'll try when I finish my time at the end of the day, I'll see if I met the expectations because it's very easy sometimes to get distracted on like working on a really tough problem or a fun problem. And all of a sudden the scales go wonky and you're like spending way too much time on this client and not enough time on this client. The way I've done it lately, I also have like usually a weekly meeting with clients, usually just to talk about the work that was done in the last week. And so I tend to stack my days around my meetings so that the day I'm meeting with a client is the day I'm wrapping up like my hours or the work that I've been doing so that my context is still there with that particular client. So I'm usually for one client, we've got an early in the week all. And so I'm getting all of my build hours for them around the same couple days and then another client later in the week. And so stacking the work for that around those days as well so that can do hopefully less contact switching. I do switch between clients somewhat frequently on a day-to-day basis. I might start in the morning on one thing and then maybe there's an operational issue with an app with the other client or something and have to switch over to take a look at something and then switch back. But the bulk of the time spent building things, I'm trying to like put all that in a couple of days for one client and then another couple of days for another client and sort of have it together that way, but with some variability there. So we've talked about communication and managing clients, move down the pipeline to sort of managing the actual work. How do you manage yourself and get yourself to work and stay motivated to do the things that you've committed to? Do you have any problem with that? Because I remember when I first started working for myself and I would tell people, and this was like way back before remote work was very popular. And people would say, how do you work out of your house? Like I would be just yeah. on the couch watching TV or like washing clothes or like doing household chores and things like that. And people said that to me too. Yeah. I've never that had that problem. No, same. I'm, sometimes I skip lunch because I'm just oh yeah so into stuff and... I'm like, okay, I'll go downstairs and grab a piece of bread and eat (laughs) come back to my (laughs) desk or Apple or something. And I have no problem staying motivated, but I'm sure there there are some people that struggle with that. I don't have trouble staying motivated to build on the web to code. That's part's not hard. There are certain tasks that I have trouble being motivated with doing bookkeeping. I hate it. 
I've been dragging my feet for a while on some bookkeeping stuff and it's like that or that's when you know you need to hire it out, right? Right. Well, no, I usually do, but I have some particular bookkeeping tasks right now that I I need to do myself so I can hand it off to my accountant. So gotcha. anyway, I normally do outsource that kind of stuff. Another one might be like tricky communications or emails about projects. Like right now I'm thinking about like some lingering conference stuff that I was dealing with for Blue Ridge, like I'll put off those kind of communications or something where I'm stressed. Like I can't quite deal with it. Like I might drag my feet on that kind of stuff. But if it's coding, like that's the fun part. If I get to go (laughs) spend four hours working on a PR, that's usually not the hard part. How about you? Most everything I do, I'm pretty excited about doing. It's like I always tell people if I didn't have a job, I'd still be doing it anyway. Yeah. Except for, of course, there's always some things like just recently, our educational app, it integrates with the school's learning management systems. And there's all these compliance things that we have to do. Like there's self-assessments and then there's like certifications. And these questionnaires are just 80, 90 questions long. And it's talking about all these like these acronyms and these security policies that I'm just not familiar with. And so it's a lot of work and we spent hours and hours going through these processes to certify ourselves and to do the required work to get certified. And so that's not fun. Like I don't think anybody enjoys that kind of stuff. So sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and then also remind myself like, well, if this was easy, anybody could do it. So I think this makes our company more valuable because we're able to do this and become certified. So even there's a little silver lining to that. There is one thing I've noticed about myself that I have to work around. And that is I love starting projects. And at my worst, I have trouble finishing them. (laughs) I don't usually have a problem with that client work. I'm usually pretty good at that with clients. But I know my natural bent is to start a lot of things and not finish them. So the way I deal with that with client work is having the ability to switch between a few projects makes it so that when I switch context, it feels new again and feels fresh. So when I get to a spot where I'm stuck or my energy is down, I can switch to one of the other clients and it feels like that surge of sort of newness or freshness again. And so I can kind of get a hit out of that to kind of ride that out. So for me, knowing that has meant having more than one project is really helpful and being able to switch when my energy drops is really helpful. I don't even think about it consciously too much. It just like kind of happens. Like I'm stuck on something. Okay, well, I can at least work on this other thing on this other project. It's totally different. Go and get my headspace into that project. This feels new and interesting. Now I'm in there. My energy levels back up. And then when I wrap that up, I can come back. And if I'm still kind of fresh again on the original thing, that's how I've come to, to deal with that aspect of myself. We've talked about in-office stuff. How do you stay healthy and you work from home by yourself? I do as well. Do you do it, go to a co-working space or do anything like that to put yourself around other people? Or do you find that you need that? And then what are some other things that you do to stay emotionally healthy when you're in the office? I have worked at co-working space in the past. And there are things that are really good about it. One of the things that I realized about co-working places is if you're independent, you're still kind of working alone just around a bunch of other people. It's not like you just got co-workers. And that was one thing I, I hadn't really internalized when I went to work at a co-working space. I thought it would give me the same level of team camaraderie or something that that you would have if you work in an organization and it does not. So that's really something different. Yep. And can sometimes be, for me at least, can be kind of a little bit um, distracting, not just distracting, but also lonely in a crowd feeling. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Around all these interesting people, but everyone's working on their own stuff and you are too. And I struggle with that. I'm not discounting or saying that coworking isn't great. I think it works really well for a lot of people. I'm not sure that it works well for me, but I do miss being in an office. That is one thing at this point in my life. I can't believe it, but like 10 years ago, I was desperate to get out of an office and work from home. Now I'm like, if it was the right office with the right people, I could do that. That sounds fun. 
it would only be fun to me if I got to work with those people, not just beside them. I can do that at a coffee shop. I've never really found co-working to be efficient or for me. It is good for networking. And when I was first starting to get into Rails development and wanting to work on software projects, I did a lot of drop-ins at co-working spaces in the Atlanta area. And that opened some doors for me, but it wasn't really good for working for me. Yeah. Interesting. My home is very quiet during the day and I have my desk that I'm used to, I have my monitor that I'm used to, and just my workstation is all here. And it's a 10 second walk up the steps. So that's nice. I also enjoy, and we can get into this too, as far as emotional health, nutrition and eating well. We cook a lot from our home. So I like being here for breakfast and lunch. And I have access to my kitchen and I don't have to eat fast food or pack a lunch or something like that. Yeah, I resonate with a lot of those things. I'm kind of particular about my space. So like the temperature and what music I'm listening to and just having things the way I I want them so that it minimizes distraction because being in someone else's space tends to be distracting when you can't sort of control those environmental things that you can't stop noticing like, oh, the temperature is still a little cold in here or something. I definitely feel that. So you mentioned taking care of yourself physically. I think one of the big things for me has been like managing my emotions. I'm a pretty emotional person and it usually takes me a lot of energy to kind of manage my emotions in various ways, like anxiety around projects, fears and frustrations, particularly in the past, like the way I managed things wasn't always good. And so I was dealing with a lot of frustration or just struggling with how to communicate or work with clients or things like that. And then also things like depression and disappointment. I tend to have all of these kind of waves of emotions that I'm having to deal with. And for many years, I don't think I did a very good job of managing that or thinking that I needed to. I grew up thinking that I just needed to kind of power through a lot of that stuff just kind of ignore it. Just like, it'll go away. Just ignore the difficulty. You just need to like get the work done. Just do it. And I think that it had a negative effect for many years on how I related to other people, whether it's like taking my frustration at work and then walking out of the office and taking that out on my family because I'm carrying the emotional baggage from my work into my family. I don't even have a commute to like cool down off of, right? You just walk out the door and if you're frustrated, everyone else knows in the room, right? There's that. And then there's also, for me, so much of my identity is tied to my work. It's where I am at home. It's not like a job that's far away or like that I go to and then come back from and this is the real me at home. It's like very intertwined. I grew up in a farming community in Ohio in corn country. And I realized a few years ago that my life is a little bit like that where farmers do everything on their farm. Their work and their personal lives are like completely intertwined. So, you know, they're hanging out in the farmhouse with their family and they're going back out to work on one of the combines that's broken or dealing with some of the animals and everything is completely intertwined in their lives. And that's how it is like being indie and working from home. It's kind of the same thing. How do you maintain that? I know for me, I have a couple of pretty simple things that I try to do. And one is I try to do regular office hours. That's just always good for me because Here at the same time in the morning, I stop pretty much the same time every day. And that sort of eliminates this back and forth of trying to work late hours or just not having a clear plan. What are your office hours? My kids usually, I get them up ready for school out of here. I'm usually at my desk at seven and I'll usually work until about five where I I try to typically, I've been taking them about a month off from the gym, but usually at five o'clock, I try to get a CrossFit class in. And so that sort of forces me to leave the office, which is a good stopping point for me. And that's another thing with regular office hours. Regular exercise is very important for me because that's a, a way that I sort of get rid of the pent up energy and it just makes me uh, feel level-headed and good. And I've been doing that pretty much since I started and maintaining some sort of exercise. And then the 
get decent sleep, like at least seven hours of sleep every night. Try to do that consistently. That's helpful as well. Agreed. Do you ever work weekends? It seems like you're usually off completely on weekends. Do you ever work? Weekends? Not unless there's like an emergency. Every once in a while, if there's something new that I'm working on or I'm planning, I might look into it or do a little bit of research, but I try not to. It's actually kind of funny. If at any point during the weekend, if I come in my office, my kids or wife, are like, why are you working on the weekends, dad? <laughs> They're on you. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'm not even working. I'm just like, I wanted to browse something or watch a video yeah. or something on my computer versus my phone, but they're still giving me the what for and why are you on your computer, dad? Why are you working? <laughs> That's funny. What about you? Nights, weekends ever? Or I don't have the good boundaries that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have mostly decent clear hours? I'm usually in my office at eight and I wrap at six, but I'll bring my laptop upstairs and sometimes do a little bit more in the evenings. Maybe not build work, but maybe like other stuff that I didn't get done, like some communications that didn't get done or some research that I was thinking about. Or And part of that for me is partly it's just kind of fun to me. It's like what I want to still be doing. And in busier seasons, which I've kind of been in for quite a few months, probably working some on Saturday too. But I'm also like helping my wife and kids during the day. Like today, I got to pick up my son from school early this afternoon and, you know, might help my wife with something, you know, during the day. So it's not like no one can talk to me during the day, especially when we were homeschooling. We're not homeschooling now, but when we were homeschooling, my work was way more fluid. So I might need to stop and help out with a certain thing or, and then come back to it. So now all the kids are in schools. So have more clear blocks during the day. But I, for many years, it was, it was just more fluid. So I might make up some time in the evening or the weekend because of having to stop during the day. But I don't mind that. That for me is mostly okay, I think. The thing that I wasn't doing before well that I think I'm doing better at now is one, like you said, I hate that this is true, but freaking exercise really helps. I started running maybe two years ago and it has made a world of difference. Like I feel so much better running and I hated running for years. I Like I always said, I hated running. And so getting into it a couple of years ago, around the time I turned 40, it was just like, I finally realized like I actually like this. I can't believe it. But it took me running like five days a week for several months before I realized, oh, I miss it when I don't do this. I didn't get a run in yesterday and it was nagging at me all afternoon. I'm like, oh, I should have gone for a run. I really wanted to run, which is weird because I... That was never the case for me. But that has been huge. Regular exercise has helped so much. And I can't even explain why, but I know it's really clear that it does. The other thing for me, the other big thing that's helped me is therapy. And there are people that sort of drag therapy as not being effective, but it has really helped me. And for many years, I resisted that struggle with depression. I had a really serious bout of it. On 2017, 2018, about that time period. And it took a lot of convincing for me to finally start, but I've been pretty consistent now. Like I go every other week, probably. And it has made a huge difference for me being able to work through disappointment, frustration, negative emotions that I couldn't like kind of unlock on my own or with family members like my wife or something. That has helped tremendously. And so I'm sort of like, just convinced of that at this point that this is like how I operate well is like do this exercise, go to therapy and read good books on relationship management or emotional management. Like those three things like have helped me so much. And are, there are things that I'm just like committed to now to make sure that not just that I'm working optimally, but like that I'm relating to others optimally and into myself. And so that's made a huge difference for me. And I think I'm in a way better spot career-wise because of that. I didn't realize like how not taking care of those things was kind of holding me back because I didn't have a the emotional capacity to deal with bigger projects or bigger endeavors because I like I had to play things smaller because I wasn't dealing well enough with the ways I was overwhelmed at that scale. But having like kind of unblocking those things and getting to a better spot 
emotionally and mentally meant that I could go after bigger endeavors and take on scarier projects, knowing that I had like more capacity to deal with the downsides. I wish I'd known that five years ago, 10 years ago. If you don't mind me asking, like, how do you get started with something like therapy? Because I feel like a lot of people, probably like me, only people that I remember that have done therapy is because they messed up. There's yeah. like a drug rehab type therapy right. or marital therapy or something yeah. like that. But if you wanted to get involved with some general therapy just to talk, like maybe you don't really know that you have any problems, but you think this would just put me like at a different level and help me to in so many different ways, right? How do you find a therapist or... I don't have great advice on this. I've always had a recommendation from someone I knew. So if you ask around, you can probably find someone that can recommend somebody. But I've also heard of people that just look up a directory for particular therapists. It is one of those things where I like having a personal referral for something like that. I might be wrong about this, but I think that at least for me, it may not matter too much who the therapist is and how good they are. I could be wrong about this, but one of the things that I realized, I have met with a few different therapists. And I think that it's more the fact that I've established a relationship with someone who cares for me and gets into the details with me and that I can say anything to. Things I wouldn't want to say to anybody else, I can say to that person. And we can work on that. And the consistency of doing that a couple times a month over this timescale of years has a dramatic effect over the long term. When I first started like being consistent with it, I felt like probably for the first year, I was like, this is not doing anything. I'm just doing this just to show that, just to check the box and say, I'm doing it. And it wasn't until like probably after a year of doing it that I realized, oh, there are some things that have sort of shifted in my thinking, some negative thought patterns that I've been able to let go of or the occasional like aha moment. It's almost like you're just digging out this mine shaft and occasionally you come across a diamond or something, but it's absolutely worth it for that reason. I don't know which session it's going to be that I come away with something like, oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't see that. But it happens and frequently enough that it is helping me. And the long-term effect of that is that I can see these shifts, especially in time endless timescale of years of the way I'm approaching the world, the way I'm approaching other relationships and the way I'm dealing with myself is better than it used to be. And to me, that's just absolutely worth it. I don't want to live with the poorer ways of managing myself and others that I had several years ago. There's no point like carrying that forward for the rest of my life. I could just deal with it now and just get better and improve. It has dramatic impact on my own well-being, but also on my client work because I can I don't take my frustration to my clients. I can be better with them. I can be more effective in my work and I can be a better dad and husband and friend and all those other things. So I could talk a long time about it, but I think for me, like it was like for a long time, I was very skeptical. And then when I finally sat down and did it, I'm convinced it works. So there's another thing here related to managing yourself. And maybe this is the place to stop is like managing your own career progression. At least what I hear from people that work in larger companies, there's often a track or a career ladder to climb and a manager that is asking you, what are your goals? What are your professional goals? And like, how can I help you get to the next level or whatever? And obviously that assumes like a really good company with a good manager. I'm sure there are plenty where that's not happening. But if that is happening in some good companies, it's certainly not happening for us where we've got someone asking us, where do you see yourself? Where you're headed? Like, how can I help you get there? And I guess I wonder, what do we do about that? How do you manage that? You gave the example of being in a corporate or a business setting where you have a, a job and a lot of times there's career paths for you, ways to move up. If you're a traditional business owner, then typically your plan is to grow and you have like financial goals. You may have certain business goals. You, you want to grow your team, become bigger. That's typically the career path. But if you're independent, that may not necessarily be so, right? So how do you grow within that independent setting? Okay, this is one of the reasons why I care about being indie and not going to work for a company. 
or even being like a thinking about myself as being an entrepreneur, I don't really have aspirations to grow, not significantly. I mean, I wouldn't mind if my income increases somewhat, but I'm fairly comfortable. Like, I don't get a lot out of cranking the numbers up. If that's all I wanted out of life, it just seems kind of small. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that interesting to me. I'm not trying, maybe I shouldn't disparage what other people find interesting, but for me at least, I'll say the idea of like, all I could do as a business owner is just grow. Like, just how do I scale this? Just seems not that interesting. Like, I want to do different kinds of work. What if I did this kind of project? Or what if I worked with this kind of client? Or I wonder if this could work for a, a new marketing offering. It's more the learning and experimentation and trying building things that I haven't built before. Like that's to me is more exciting than just, okay, I found a model. Let me scale it. Sorry. I kind of took us on a rabbit trail. Yeah. If you're working for yourself, how do you figure out what it is that you want to do that works for you? Like works for the type of person you are and what you want to see happen in the world? Yeah. I, I guess a lot of it just depends on who you are and what your motivations are, right? It's like for some people having a independent or freelance career and just working with interesting clients that pay their bills. And that, that's great. Some people may have aspirations of working on like higher profile projects, working with higher profile clients. I noticed that actually a lot in the design world. There are a lot of designers who they're like, they want to work with a Nike or, you know, like they're like exactly. big brands mm-hmm. that you work with. I don't notice quite so much with developers, but it's probably still happens. There are certain companies like, oh, it'd be great to work with them. Like the kind it's of a different model though, on. right? Like you can be a designer and design a logo for Fortune 500 company and still be like an independent designer. But yeah. it's not very common if you're like a star developer to just pop into a company and write a piece of code for them. And yeah, I, I wrote that. Huh. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That is a good point. Yeah. So that makes sense why designers would have more of that, even like solo designers. What do you do to manage your own career progress, your own path? Suppose there's probably times where I'm not doing a very good job of managing that and I'm just sort of drifting around. And that's okay too, right? We've talked about these seasons that we go through sometimes where uh, you sort of have your plate full with family or personal things and like just drifting as long as you're doing a good job and getting paid for it and providing income for your family, then that's enough. But then there's other times where you have aspirations of doing something different and you want to pour into that side of it. We've talked a little bit about this before, but when you and I first met, we were, I think, kind of both on the same level with that respect. Like we both wanted to get out of that drifting mode. And I didn't really know what I wanted to get into so much, but I wanted to continue doing what I was doing. I I enjoy doing what I was doing. I'm building two companies, two SaaS companies that have been really successful and that that's great. But I also wanted to try working with some other people. We've hired additional contractors, picked up a few additional clients. And so that's been a lot of fun getting to work with those people. And I've partnered with a couple of people to work on those projects with. That's been fun. But I also like probably every software developer have aspirations of creating my own product, my own little company. And so I still don't have that great idea yet, but I feel like closer I'm searching for it and I'm like in a better position to pounce on it if I have it. So I don't know if that answers your questions, but that's sort of where I've been. I relate to a lot of what you said, both in terms of like times where I've just kind of been drifting or not really paying attention to where I'm headed long-term. Not that I don't think about it, but it's just really unclear. What is the long-term goal here? What should it be? The thought just occurred to me that one thing, I think the reason that we're having an issue with this idea is that it's sort of new. There's only in the last 10 years have there been this independence, especially like software developers or like creators where they're working on their own, right? I mean, sure, there's been solo businesses in the past, but I feel like there's been a, an explosion of this type of position and work. And we haven't seen a lot of examples of people that go through a complete career and retire from this. Am I right? In the service industry, there have always been like maybe a town doctor or dentist or something like that. I agree with you that there's like 
something different and distinct, particularly like I noticed this on Twitter, like all the independent folks that are kind of coming up with very distinct and different businesses that aren't like a model, like the town doctor or something like that, where it's like kind of clear what this is or like a plumber. He starts out working on his own. Then he hires a couple other people to work with them, you know, grows the business. It's kind of known what that looks like, but there's a bunch of people right now that are coming up with really interesting online businesses or service businesses or products. And there's sort of a, it does feel like there's a, maybe a proliferation of models or of people trying very wildly different things. And so, yeah, maybe that is like a, now the level of choice in how to go after things now makes this a newer question. If you're independent and you're a knowledge worker or particularly a software developer, you now have a number of possible avenues to go. Almost like sky's the limit. What could you think of that might work now with a market you can reach online with this skill set? So yeah, maybe it is. Maybe this is just a recent thing that previously wasn't a discussion or wasn't a, a thing to have to figure out. And now it is. That's cool that there are more options now. And I guess that maybe explains why I don't have as, as clear of a, a direction that way. When I started, my goal, like you, it sounds like you, was to build my own product. I'm going to get out of working for clients. I'm going to build my own thing and it's going to be great. And I failed at that. I failed pretty big on one project that way and I've had a few other kind of minor failures. And, and along the way, I realized that I actually do like client work. I like working with other solo founders, people that are other people that are building products because I care about the things they care about. And if they've already done something that was successful, it's really nice to be alongside them and figure out like, what did they do? How did they do things differently than I did? And how can I sort of use the empathy that I have related to what they're trying to accomplish? And also my curiosity to combine that with the product or technical work that I'm doing to sort of do the best thing for them. And so I really like that. That's given me a lot more just satisfaction in the work that I'm doing right now, rather than, oh, just wait till I build this thing and then I'll be happy. You know, like mm-hmm. for a number of years, it was like that. I just like, oh, I got to keep grinding away at this stuff until I can build a product I want and then I'll be happy. And, and I think I'm happy now. And if I didn't build my own product, I would still be happy doing client services. It's still interesting enough to me at this point It might be fun to try new projects, try new clients, work with different kinds of people. But serving people, I realize, is something I don't need to get away from and I don't want to get away from. I like it. But that said, I still do want to build a product. I still want to make one small good thing myself. (laughs) So that feels like one of those elusive dreams composing you know, a symphony that is yours and maybe yours only. It's still like a... A thing I long for, I guess. But oh, but what I was going to say is that I think where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm not thinking too far out. I'm more, I realize like what's working for me right now is following my nose with what it, I'm currently curious about and interested in. And I don't necessarily need a long-term plan of here's where I want to be at 55 and here's how much money I want to be making. And it needs, my business needs to look like this. I more want to be kind of have my antenna out looking for ideas, like being open and curious and just following my nose to find the kind of the next thing. What's currently intriguing me? What's the next thing that I think would be really cool to try? Or what's the next kind of project that would be really fun to take on? And for me, at least at this point, that's made my work more fun and helped my energy level and helped me be more satisfied and more attentive to what's right in front of me rather than this long-term picture of what might come down the road and frustration over why isn't it here yet. There's something there with just focusing on one day at a time versus getting all anxious about the future. Yeah. I think maybe like the difference for me in the past was not that if I heard people say, oh, just take it one day at a time. It's like, well, that's really boring. Then I'm not progressing anywhere. And I think maybe the difference for me now is realizing that one day at a time means looking at the next adjacent new thing, not looking five steps from where I'm at, but looking at what are the options connected to where I am at right now that I may not have been paying attention to. Like the cool people we're meeting that who knows, I could 
pitch something to one of them and they want to, you know, we try this new thing or Jess, you and I try something new together. And that's sort of adjacent to what we're doing right now or whatever it is, it's kind of like the next thing from where I'm at and not just like day to day, keep doing the same thing, but what's the next step from here based on what I've sort of, I'm keeping an eye out for ideas and options and the possibility of energy and curiosity that are like right outside of my current purview. And that's an interesting because it, then it's not like a path where I need to get from here to there by, you know, in the next 20 years, it's more like I am progressing, but who knows where I might go? You just really don't know. And part of me kind of likes that. It's more like sniffing out ideas here and there. And the next thing might work really well, might not, but I'm not just staying stagnant. I'm not just staying in one place, but I am progressing in some way. It's just not predetermined. It's just not preset. And that really is a part of being independent, right? Yeah. It's not as predetermined. It's not preset. Following intuition. Yeah. I value a lot of the people that are discussing this kind of stuff online because I'm, it does help me to see other models, to see like what other people have done and to kind of expand my own concept of what might be possible rather than just saying, well, here's your option. You can grow an agency of developers or you can be a long-term contractor or consultant. Those are the two options. No, actually there's like a bunch of other ones and like paying attention to what other people are doing sparks new ideas. So I can kind of see what other people are doing and look at what I'm doing and then what's right next to what I'm doing that might be inspired by that to like go in in a new direction just to try this new thing and see where it leads. Yeah, I like that. I do think that there's something though, long-term, I do feel like I probably need more conversations around where I'm headed on the time scale of decades. And not necessarily a certain outcome business-wise, but maybe like life goals. I feel like that's something I need to talk more about. Sounds like a good topic for an episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. That could be. All right. I think that about wraps it up, Jeremy. Thanks for bringing this topic up. And I know it's going to go over well in your talk, your presentation. Hopefully it's been helpful to others that are listening and that want to either improve their management of their self. Anything else you want to add, Jeremy? People are interested more in this topic. Feel free to reach out to me or Jess. We'd love to keep talking about how to do that yourself, how you're doing that. I don't know. At some point, I would love to do some kind of like Q&A around this kind of topic or even office hours or something like that. Because I think this is the kind of thing that like you can really struggle with and then just decide indie development isn't for you because I couldn't get past this, whatever it was. And I think, I don't know, I, I just have a lot of empathy for that. And I think there are things that you can do to make this work once you've got some good systems in place. Yeah. Yeah.